Greg. Yes. Albums turning 40 years old this year. One of one of your favorite albums. Bon Jovi by Bon Jovi. Mm, Self-titled. Yes. Yeah. Or, or or it's either it's between that and 1984 by Van Halen. Can you, can you believe yeah. 1984 by Van Halen? Heartbeat City by The Cars Reckoning by R.E.M. A lot of great albums turning 40 years old. Private Dancer. Yes. Private Dancer by Tina Turner. Born in the USA by Bruce Springsteen. Purple Rain. By Prince. The Unforgettable Fire, you too. Your wife's favorite artist, Brian Adams, Reckless. <laughs> okay. Uh, what's your, do you have a favorite album that's 40 years old? 40 years old. It would have to be, I was going to say, between. Unforgettable Fire and Purple Rain, but I have to go Purple Rain. That was Purple just Rain. such a oh, iconic. iconic album, iconic movie. Not an iconic movie, but just like part of that whole oh, yeah. time. For sure. And experience for us. All right, Greg, let's get to our conversation with Stephen Page. Hey, everybody. I'm Stephen Page, singer, songwriter, former Bare Naked Ladies guy, and uh, I'm wishing you welcome to the music. Welcome, 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 Stephen. It's uh, we are so excited to have you on board. It's an honor. It's a privilege. It's it's, it's everything. Um, I have to tell you that uh, I guess it was before the holidays. Uh, went to the horseshoe for a show, and um, and I'm telling you, the next day at the office, I was going up to people and going, "Oh my God, you won't believe where I was last night." They're like, "Yeah, you've already told me twice," <laughs> and. Like everybody were like, they were going and buying their tickets for Oakville, I think Oakville or Burlington and, 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 you know, Opera House and, and like, like, anyway, I, I can't, I can't thank you enough for that show for you, Mo, um, you know, Craig, Craig and, and uh, Chris, sorry, Chris. <laughs> and so like, I just like, it was an incredible show. And what I said to people about it, particularly, you know, as we're getting towards the next set of shows, you know, for me, it was as much about the banter between you guys or among you guys mm -hmm. as it was the songs, which were incredible. So I, I want to thank you for that. Just want to get your thoughts on the, the Trans Canada Highwaymen and the shows and what's coming up. Well, first of all, thank you very much. That means a lot. I mean, that that is, I'm glad that the thing that, brings us so much joy in in trans canada highwaymen translates like that was the biggest hope for us and and so far it seems to be working that show at the horseshoe was was really really exciting and, and fun we've been doing this for a few years we started in 2016 i think we did a tour of like you know ontario yeah. theaters and stuff in 2017 um and it was just kind of intended to be that the, the gig is that we play each other's hits but we swap instruments and uh 
and we thought it'd be really fun to kind of do this for festivals and whatever else. And when our uh, when our our beloved day jobs are taking a break, it's a fun thing to go and do. Like we just enjoy being around each other. But that's the main thing is we just enjoy yeah. hanging out. And I think the audience enjoyed that as well. And they you know they can sense the the that the camaraderie is authentic and um, that they're included in on the joke. And during the pandemic, we were, you know, missing the opportunity to hang out with each other, spend a lot of time with, uh, you know, text chains and stuff, keeping us entertained. And we had done a few videos that we put up online of like some of the songs that we do in our set. Um, We did alcohol, the bare naked ladies song, and we did uh, ready for you, the Sloan song and so on. And, um, and then uh, we thought, well, why don't we just make an album? But it would seem kind of silly to make an album of those songs. Like we already have those, like our versions of those songs with our with our regular bands. Um, so we thought, well, what if we did something that was like a KTEL tribute? Um, so Chris had this idea. He, you know, brought up all these KTEL records. For those of you who are too young to remember, who are those who are, are the best music? Yeah. <laughs> KTEL. Yeah, I mean, those records, like. <laughs> You know, I guess the closest for people who grew up in the '90s, the equivalent is like the big shiny tunes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my these, music, were these yeah. they were really cheaply pressed. Like they put, I don't know, twenty-five songs on one vinyl LP, suit like a super thin record. It was just all noise, and then this like, but that was the time of AM radio, and uh, we yeah. didn't know better. It was just the more stuff, the better. And they would make these compilation records. Um, and they'd have all these kind of international hits on them. And then they'd have like five Canadian songs that we didn't realize weren't like international yeah. classics. They were just, you know, on the record along with everything else. And they might have been hits, sometimes regional hits in Canada, which is like a thing of the past for sure. Yeah. Or there, you know, would be a song that was like huge on the West Coast and we never really in Ontario heard much of it, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so we all chose our favorite songs from 1969 to 75. Um, which for me is actually like right before I really started listening to the radio. I was five and 75. So it was like, you know, the next, if we do another volume, the next volume will be like, that will be my AM radio prime time. But (laughs) we did most of it over the course of the pandemic, recording all of our parts at home. So like this studio where I'm in here, you can see, I just did all my stuff from here and we'd send them all to Craig and Craig would mix all the tracks. And then, um, Chris did all the artwork and we did an infomercial for it and so on, which he also directed and just had a ton of fun doing that. So I'm, that, really glad. I'm glad you enjoyed that. that oh, it was, it was, yeah, it was. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and the, the, the line, okay, I told you this was the best song, but this is actually <laughs> the greatest song ever. I, I kept, anyway. Already, yeah. I, I wasn't able to be at the show I was on another continent, but I've been loving this 17 minute infomercial. Oh, good. I'm glad. <laughs> and and it is it is hilarious in that you guys are like deadpan trying to like yes we love you know, and then you're 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 coming into the songs late, <laughs> um and I'm like there must be hours of footage of you guys just cracking up of your stomachs hurting. Oh yeah, um, that's the best part of it. So we've been like slowly releasing just some of the blooper stuff out there as well, just because that was the fun. <laughs> You know, and, and there's not, nothing beats a good blooper reel. Like when, you know, it's at the, the end of the movie, especially like in the 80s when like Cannonball Run days, they would throw those bloopers of, of guys corpsing, laughing at stuff yeah. um, at the end of the movie. That was the best part of the movie. So same thing for the record, best part of the record. 
are there are there songs that I, I'm sure there are. There are probably songs that you guys love that will, will come on volume two because I, I I have a recommendation. Yeah, what's up for a song? Doug and the Slugs, day by day. Uh, see, I was thinking Doug and the Slugs, too bad, but you know, I okay. think I, I I don't know. It's one of those. I think we feel like we we kind of have to put Doug and the Slugs on there. I it's what the debate is right now is is the next record seventy six to eighty, or seventy six to eighty one. Yeah, there's a big difference in music between eighty and eighty one in Canadian music. All of a sudden, it kind of like eighty one is the beginning of the kind of new wave. Uh, era in Canadian music where where 80 is kind of the end of the classic rock so the kind of the trooper era for example ah. um so do we split that up into trying to do like uh volume two and volume three or do we just not push our luck and try and cram it all in one next record <laughs> I don't know no let's do a volume two three four yeah, like yeah, as, yeah. as long as <laughs> as many albums as you guys have time for i think yeah, I, and i will run I, through the office tell everybody to go listen and download and buy I it think, and everything that'd be awesome so, i would appreciate yeah. that yeah. i think i think we're talking studio uh, uh volume four would be great if we could actually get the original st singers of the songs that we've covered to cover our songs so you get like i don't know you get um, okay <laughs> you know whatever burton cummings singing a sloan song um but you know and you guys are his backing band <laughs> exactly and we're the backing band but i think i i suspect that um we may have to act fast as uh, yes yes that, yes that generation uh, yes. is uh is not getting any younger we're yeah well none of us none of us are although mo yeah. still has its, the same hair i know mo oh, mo doesn't age no he doesn't he's a vampire <laughs> i'm sure he's a vampire <laughs> yeah. so one of the things so I, I grew up as a Scarborough kid moved out to Durham but went to Charlottetown Kareem's a Scarborough kid his sister and myself both went to Scarborough Music Camp which I know okay. you're a counselor at if as I understand yep, you, I, went, I went there for a bunch of years so yeah. it's entirely possible you were actually Fize's counselor or, and uh, back in the Maybe. day I'm, I'm a little bit older than you so wouldn't it be me um, but what I want to talk about is like what what impact did Scarborough have on you guys as you were like growing up and getting into the music business? It was huge. I mean, like what you know, the thing we didn't understand at the time was how, like what a special time we grew up in, in such a special place. I mean, we grew up in, in a Scarborough that was rapidly changing. You know, when we, when we were young, Scarborough was largely white working class, like Wayne's world. Um, yeah. which kind of shaped the way we saw the world. But very quickly over the course of our kind of late elementary school into high school time, um, the, um, the borough became more and more multicultural, which was only helpful to us, even just on a musical level, like, you know, hanging out with kids from the West Indies who were like playing us music that we wouldn't have heard otherwise. Um, that kind of thing was like changed our perspective a lot. Um, but uh, I think it stopped us from being kind of, I think we could have been rednecks and we weren't, you know, <laughs> I, th I think it's pretty easy when you live in a fair, in a fairly homogeneous area to be kind of become closed off. We were not that. So we were always interested in a million things, whether they were cultural things, musical things, um, jokes, whatever they were. It was just like, we were always just trying to kind of eat it all up, especially like, especially me and Ed, um, at the beginning of Bare Naked Ladies. We were just influenced by everything we saw. 
But on top of that, and you know, and we knew that Scarborough had a bad rap. Like Scarborough was kind of, you know, it still does. And it was yeah. Scarborough, and now we talk about it as being kind of like a place where all the crime and violence happens. I think Scarborough's awesome. I think it's better now than it was when I was growing up there. But uh, um, but I think that, uh, you know, we knew that there was that stigma about it. And we like to couple that with the fact that, like, we would go to gigs downtown on Queen Street in our mom's cars, and, like, I'd load up, Tyler's drum kit into my mom's Honda Accord and drive him home and drop his stuff up and go back to my parents' house and stuff. And we, um, we knew that it was funny to talk about it that way, like because you're not supposed to, especially back then. Like think about the the era of like when like the U2 Joshua Tree, like every yeah. every picture of a rock band looked super serious, and like those people didn't live at their parents' house. Um, you know, they weren't born <laughs> to go to a gig. So we knew that it was funny if we, if we talked about it that way and the audience dug it because they were doing the same thing. They were exactly. Um, and, uh, and so there was that, that, that common ground and that sense of kind of, again, the words overused, but authenticity. Um, but add to that, all the stuff that we got in Scarborough back then, like you talked about music camp. Um, the two things that really shaped me, like my music program at, at Woburn, where I went, was it was whatever, it was fine. You had to participate in it if you wanted to go to music camp. And I was also in the Scarborough School's youth choir, which so I had to be in my, my school's um, music program. And I played flute terribly, um, but I, it was just kind of my way to say, okay, I'm in the music program. And then I'd go once a week to Asian Court Collegiate and go to um, choir practice. You know, not a thing you'd brag about back at school the next day, but for a few hours every Wednesday afternoon, me and a hundred other kids would be singing like our lives depended on it. And like, I didn't play sports. So for me playing, singing like that and striving for excellence with the conductor, Garth Allen was the, was the choir director, was just amazing. Like he just, he pushed us to be, to be better than we could be on our own and to be the best <sighs> versions of ourselves. So that thing, that, that, that like, once you have that knowledge of what um, what music can do, like when you're in that place and you all the desire to fit in and, or to be cool or to be seen by girls or whatever the thing is what I was worried about, that all melts away and you're singing with your voice, which is such an intimate, um, naked part of you, and you're exposing that, but in a group, it's just it's it's a transcendent thing that you I, for me I spent my whole life chasing and being in a band and being in a place where I can you know like in a venue where the audience is singing that's the same feeling and that's what Scarborough gave me and there's the same thing at music camp never mind all the social stuff mm -hmm. and I even though Ed and I went to the same high school we didn't know each other until we started hanging out at music camp and wow but really that band Naked Ladies wouldn't have started without without the camp, without the Scarborough school music system. That's crazy. I actually still have I still have a burn on my arm from 1979 when I was in the kitchen serving food, and I, I put my hand up against it. And the woman that worked there went, "Oh no, we got to You know, what we need to do. We need to put butter on that." Which I'm like, <laughs> I'm like 12 years old at the time. I'm like, "Yeah, sure, let's put butter on it. It's probably the worst thing could have done." But anyway. Yeah, it's it old though, right? That's what they always yeah. just say. Put butter on it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So you talk about like Queen Street and like fast forward to the time of the yellow tape and like just there's a buzz about you guys, your Miss City. I mean, you know, I think CFNY back before 
they switched over to the George Michael that little era in '89. But you know, like they like I, they were helped, like they were promoting, like it, there was there that was, and I was a musician at the time too, so I was playing around with these palace and the shoe and everything else. So it's like there was such a buzz about you guys at that time. I, it must have been amazing. I'd love for you just to just talk about sort of that breakout. Yeah, it was an amazing thing because we, you know, we had uh, we played all the time. We just played in like any gig we could get. So yeah, all those venues, whether it was the you know the you'd start at some place like the Cabana Room. Yeah, upstairs. Jimmy Scopus would like you know he was a tough nut, but he would give you like kind of your first gig, and yeah. like you had to have those gigs under your belt. And then you go to like the other places where they say, okay, you have to bring X number of people, and if you don't, you're never playing here again. They'd really like scare the hell out of you at the Rivoli or ultrasound or whatever else we we'd build our, our way up and we just we luckily we had some club owners some some promoters who who dug it like you know we did it a lot one of the things that really helped us was Ed and I when we were just a duo before the other guys joined Bare Naked Ladies we opened for a comedy group I don't know if you remember Corky and the Juice Pigs yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay so Corky and the Juice Pigs um uh sean cullen phil nickel greg neal they um they had we were huge fans like they would be playing whatever at western and ed would call me and say like we're gonna let's go let's go to western we'll drive two and a half hours to go see corky and the juice pig at the spoke and then get in the car and drive home and we would just go see them anywhere so when we wow. would make these tapes in our basement the two of us and we would just give them to any bands that we liked and we'd bug them all the time like oh did you listen to our tape and most bands would be like not not yet um, and they were the same, but one day Sean Cullen listened to it and he loved it. And, uh, and they listened, they talked to their manager and they said, do you guys want to come on tour with us across Canada? Which of course, wow. so we basically dropped out of York university and like we took the year to see whether we wanted to keep doing this. And we went from, from, uh, Ontario all the way out to, uh, to Cape Breton and all the way out to Victoria um and just learned how to do it like we learned how like we were playing comedy nights and stuff we weren't a comedy group i mean obviously there was lots of jokes in what we did and the, back then too it was like there was a real stigma of doing humor along with music like people couldn't yeah like now you can make jokes as an as a musician all the time it's great you can kind of cross whatever borders you want and it works and people accept it but at that time it was like it was still a lot of gatekeeping in rock and roll so, but on the other side, we would show up at a comedy night, not being a comedy group, but opening for a comedy group, and we'd have humor. We were, you know, a, a band, but with humor in it. It doesn't always work at comedy night, um, especially like if it's, you know, like it was like a university pub or it'd be like some small town um, and uh, people would be booing or just talking through our set or not paying attention and heckling. And so we had to learn how to deal with all that stuff and how to learn how to put a set wow. list together, how to how to actually engage with the audience, how to take the the rejection of terrible gigs. So because we did that so early, um, by the time we were playing the Toronto clubs regularly as a full band, we kind of had a lot of, under our belts. We were also very young and you know, we were 19, 20. We kind of thought, well, we, we've toured the country. Now we've paid our dues. Um, <laughs> we'll send a uh, tape off to all the record companies and they'll sign us right away. And all the record companies in Canada were like, you gotta be kidding me. This is like a, some novelty group. They'll be over in a, six months. And that's not bother. And uh, a lot of people, we, I think people were just embarrassed by us. And uh, 
we would so we would just kind of build up like we were we had this sense of self-belief that i wouldn't say it was arrogant but i would say it was um psychotic like it was okay. the, i think you have to have this weird sense of self-belief in order to keep doing it um but one thing that happened to us was we would start playing like residencies um yvonne matzel who booked the or the, yeah, of course the um uh, ultrasound started booking us every uh it was every tuesday night or every thursday night at uh at the ultrasound and i remember the first time we played there it was like you know whatever half full second time it was full all the way back to the bar the third time it was sold out uh and the the fourth time like fourth week in a row line up around the block to get in and uh, that's like when you realize oh these aren't just our friends from high school coming to the gig this is just people talking about it that kind of thing mixed with like stuff like cfmy which was huge for us got that buzz out there and by 90 you know beginning of 92 we were assigned to sire records so it really wasn't that long it felt like oh well we've paid our dues we've been around for years (laughs) but yeah we've been around for about three years three years yeah I, I want to go back to Agent Court. My son is now graduating from Agent Court. Awesome. This year. Um, and, and I didn't know that you had gone there for choir. Yeah. He's done choir there. He did, he was at a choir before high school. He plays the trombone and the jazz band. And it's not even a music school. Right. Uh, back when you went there for choir, what, what was it about Agent Court? Why is, why is there music? there well so that was that was like it was the the all city or all scarborough choir and they would everybody would come from whatever high school they went to after school to go there and i think that was because uh lee willingham was the was the head of music then Uh, he's now a professor at laurier university oh he was um so i think because of that he had he had and he had a great vocal music program at uh asian court back then too so i think that was our way in to that school and they had a um auditorium that we would use that was what we for our rehearsals it was a good size auditorium so yeah so so we we found a video um and and i totally forgot that that uh another postcard was one of your songs sure and this is a good segue because uh it's the second song i ever taught my son (laughs) <laughs> how to sing or or just first of the first song was uh edelweiss from sound of music nice and was uh, a neil young song no it wasn't neil young song <laughs> no 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 <laughs> um and, and that's how we used to we would put him to sleep put him to bed and he would not let us leave until we sang edelweiss to him now we never got that on tape but i do have him on tape singing uh another postcard i need i need to let me do a screen share with you here. Hold on a second here. Let's do screen share, share sound. All right. Let's see. Let me know if you can see. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Here we go. Hope to, hopefully the sound comes through. Sing that again. Run, run, run is for me. And run is for you. Oh, Pansies could be in my house. Another? Another postcard. 
Look in the camera and say bye. Bye. Look in the camera and say bye. Look in the camera and say bye. Bye. Yeah. Hopefully he doesn't kill me. <laughs> oh, he's going to. Oh, he's going to. <laughs> oh, yeah, when Cream showed me that before we jumped on today, I said, Jim, you have to share that. That's just too awesome. Too good. Oh, that is awesome. Um, uh, Greg mentioned Neil Young. And, uh, you know, we, we've started, and, and I'm going to go so many different places with this, but Greg and I have started using uh, AI tools for research. Um, and we have found that some of these AI tools will take, you know, Stephen Page as two separate things and mm -hmm. try to connect them. So when I do, did Neil, I do, did a search on Stephen Page and Neil Young came up. Mm. And it said that you've collaborated with him, but I couldn't find anything. Well, the closest thing that you would say, I wouldn't, we'd never collaborated with, with him specifically, although yeah. uh, um, he did invite us to play it. He used to do these, these uh, benefit concerts every year called the Bridge School Benefit. You guys played the Bridge School. We played the Bridge School. So there's actually wow. a couple of songs from that out on the streaming services, I think. Okay. Uh, uh, but that was amazing. So that was like, we went and it's a, I guess it's a two day event. Yeah. But the day before that is just um, sound checks. So all the bands come and do their sound checks, and then after the sound check, they said, "Oh, it's a it's a barbecue at Neil's Ranch," back when he still lived up in uh, the yeah. Bay Area. And I just figured, okay, it'll be like some tent set up in the middle because he had eighteen hundred acres or something in this uh, near San Jose. So it's like, okay, fine, like it, that'll be fun, but great. Um, we you know we get in the van and drive up. And we drive up to Neil's house and we're in front of Neil's house and there's like guys running the, the barbecue out front and it's crazy horse running the barbecue out front. <laughs> 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 you know? And there's like Billy Talbot flipping hot dogs. Um, and then uh, he's, he's we, got the band making <laughs> we go in and, you know, we're just hanging out like we're just, you know, loading up our plates around the table and. That show it was us and Sarah McLaughlin, who we were already good friends with. Yeah. Um, uh, Jonathan Richmond, who uh, is impossible to have a small talk conversation with, um, but I'm a huge fan of. So my mind blown. And uh, Fish were on it. Wow. And uh, um, REM, one of the okay. you know, bands of all time. Yeah. And Neil Young. And so we're there in the house, you know, eating dinner next to Michael Stipe and then standing in Neil's living room talking about growing up in Ontario. And then he went, he had a impassioned speech about how much he hated digital reverb, um, where he was yelling about it. It was <laughs> awesome, <laughs> but it was just, I, I, I'll never forget it. It was one of the greatest things. And the other thing that, that, um, it made me think about was like it, it taught me a lesson was like in that house he had all kinds of stuff like memorabilia from his career on the walls and i used to think like because i never did i never had anything of like that said what i'd done like i felt it felt ostentatious so maybe it's just the canadian but and yeah and i think well he's canadian and he's oh he's not showing it off i realize it's not a show-off thing this is his life he's like he uses these they're his memories yeah, and it's it, like an album. It, yeah, yeah. It gave me 
permission to celebrate things I've done over my career in a way that I think I used to think I wasn't supposed to celebrate because it would be somehow, I don't know, too uh, right. aggrandizing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't, it didn't come, it didn't come off as huh. grand from him. It just came out. This is just his house. And it was like house that he built himself or started by building himself and just got built outward and outward and outward. And it was, it was amazing. So then uh, a bunch of years later, we were at, we did, we did another show with him uh, on uh, Vancouver Island, uh, an environmental benefit. It was, yeah. it was Randy, Randy Backman and us and Neil. And that was, of course, awesome as always. So it's always just by that point, like he knew us. And I guess even when he invited us on the, uh, on the bridge school, I think his daughter was a fan at the time. So that's okay. why on that show. But I remember years later being at, at Live 8, which they had up in yeah. uh, Molson Park in Barrie. Mm-hmm. And I was getting ready to walk into the catering tent to get some lunch. And I hear behind me, hey, Steve. And I look, and it's Neil Young. And he goes, got a joke for you. <laughs> he says, uh, I thought this was uh, was called Live Bait because it was in Barry, but it's Live 8. Um, not that funny a joke, but he was, <laughs> I know this guy. He's a joker. He's going to like this joke. And he's laughing away. I, was like, I just couldn't think. Neil Young knows my name. <laughs> what it was? He saw me. He's like, hey, Steve. That's awesome. You know, the closest we got to collaborating was we all were on stage singing um, yeah. uh, um, Rockin' in the Free World at the end, at the end of the, the whole all right. So it was like Neil Young and I think um, Dan Aykroyd was there. And, uh, yeah, I remember that. Coburn yeah. and The Hip and us. And it was pretty awesome. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've had, so I've had those, those connections with Neil and I mean, he is nice. one of all time favorite artists. And I think so ins- inspirational because he's always done whatever the hell he wants. Like, he yes, of that. Um, he's shown that you can be weird and you can be mainstream and you can be stick to your guns and you can make a life and a career for yourself. Yeah. But, uh, I just like, I just love I love his music. I love watching him singing, watching and 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 listening to him play live. And I would do that anytime. I've been lucky nice. enough to see him a whole bunch of other times. I will tell you one other Neil Young story. Since we're here. Yes, mm-hmm. please. In 1996, and actually, I've seen this poster on people been posting it on Facebook lately on various groups. Nothing to do with me, but just like because it's this this festival in England in 1996 had this insane lineup, which we didn't quite realize was as insane as you look at it now and you're like, what was going on? Because in 96, there was no Glastonbury that year. They took a year off. So there were even more acts um, going to play. So this, I think on, on the Saturday night, they had uh, um, David Bowie on the Thursday night, they had the sex pistols reunion. Um, and uh, on the night we were on, um, the headliner was Neil Young and Crazy Horse. Um, but before that was um, earlier in the day, Alanis Morissette was on. Um, uh, when she had um, Taylor Hawkins was her drummer back then. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Foo Fighters were on before Alanis. Oh. Uh, so and and but so I remember seeing like like, uh, well, so Dave Grohl and and Taylor and uh, and Alanis were all like hanging out backstage and stuff. Um, we went backstage after we played on a on uh, the B stage in the afternoon, 
Um, and we said, oh, let's go. We knew Alanis from home. We said, oh, let's go backstage and at the main stage and see if we can say hi to Alanis. So we did. We went back there and we're talking to her and there's a, you know, Foo Fighters guys and her band and uh, Wayne Coyne from the Flaming Lips is standing there. And um, we're talking to him for a bit. And, we're, and Neil Young is about to go on stage and he says, are you guys going to go on stage to watch Neil? And we're like, well, I don't know. Is that, are we allowed to? And he said, well, Elliot Roberts, Neil's manager said, I can. And we're like, well, mind if we try and get on stage with you? And he goes, well, you can always try. So we watched Neil and Crazy Horse walk up the ramp to go onto the stage and Elliot's there letting them, you know, go on. And we walk up right behind them and he waves Wayne through and he goes, whoa, 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 who are you guys? And we said, uh, oh, we're this band, Bare Naked Ladies from Canada. We thought the Canada thing would help, but didn't. But he goes, oh, your band, go ahead. All right, so we go up there and stage left is packed with people. Um, and security goes, no, it's too busy. Go to the other side. So we walk over to the other side of the stage, stage right. Me, Tyler from BNL and Wayne Coyne uh, walk in and they let us in and they coordinate off behind us. And we look around and we're watching Neil Young and Crazy Horse on stage right. And it's just the three of us and Paul and Linda McCartney and the kids. Wow. That's it. Like, wow. we're there by mistake. But it was <laughs> so watch the entire set with the McCartney family who were awesome, like uh, so, uh, so nice. This was not long before uh, Linda passed away. She'd been, she was sick, but uh, you know, they're, they're all, they were passing a flask around the family and stuff and they'd pass it over to us. And um, you know, Neil would play like a bum note on the guitar and Paul would come over and elbow me in the ribs and laugh at it or something and talk (laughs) to the kids a lot. And I remember like they're, he's singing heart of gold solo acoustic in front of like 60,000 people and the whole audience is singing and Stella McCartney turns to me and says, Oh, this is one of those nights I'm going to remember for the rest of my life. And I thought you're going to remember this. (laughs) (laughs) You do this all the time. (laughs) This is a regular Saturday night. Yep. But it was, it was amazing. I had actually seen them drive up, which was, I thought was like, so, I mean, McCartney is my guy. Like there's nobody bigger for me. Watched him drive up into the backstage like not with security not with uh, another driver like he just pulled up in his station wagon with the family parked <laughs> backstage so i knew he was there but i didn't like i still didn't expect that we were going to be watching the show with him wow yeah that's pretty, amazing pretty that's amazing. amazing yeah wow um what one of the story. collaborations that i did want to ask you about and and cream's actually afraid of the day he hopefully gets to meet neil young because he's always making a comment, you know, for, you never want to meet your heroes. Um, yeah. I, I, I like as a huge Duran Duran fan and a guy who back in the early eighties was playing, you know, planet earth at my high school auditorium kind of thing, uh, in front of the school and just geeking out over it. Like I'm obviously a big fan of Stephen Duffy's as well. Sure. Um, what was it like working with Stephen? Well, Stephen is, I mean, he's amazing. He's like, he's just one of the greatest. I still think he's one of the greatest songwriters of all time. Uh, you know, we've also become incredibly good friends. And like, like it's a weird thing for me to think like that kid. <laughs> I was talking about the, the Scarborough Youth Choir. Here's another, another thing. Like when I went to, when I was in the Youth Choir, we went to England for the summer, in the summer of 85. Uh, and um, 
I used to do this thing where like, I had my Walkman and I would go to the music store, like Music World at the Scarborough Town Center, and buy like one cassette I was going to listen to on yeah. some like this. So what? And I remember the whole day, like just spending the whole day, like trying to decide. I was trying to decide between the Stephen Duffy first album, The Ups and Downs, um, uh, what's it called? Um, uh, the Brian, it was a Brian Ferry album, Girls and Boys, uh, and a um, oh, uh, REM, Fables of the Reconstruction. Those three records, trying to figure decide which one I was going to buy, and I finally decided on the Stephen Duffy record, and of course listened to it the whole, the whole trip, and it was you know it was one of the I was fifteen, it was an amazing trip. We played, sang concerts all over the UK and in amazing locations like Westminster Abbey and stuff, and. It was, you know, again, another thing I'll never forget. But I'd had, like, my first girlfriend on this trip, and then she dumped me afterwards, and it was all <laughs> tied into my memories of this listening to this record. This record kind of helped me through it and helped me process it, and it was a soundtrack to it. And I, So I wrote a fan letter to Stephen as a, you know, whatever, 15-year-old Canadian kid. And this is obviously way pre-internet. And he wrote back, like just a little, you know, note of, you know, encouragement and a couple signed pictures or whatever. But, uh, you know, I think Nack now, like, why the hell would you do that? But he, and he doesn't even know. Like, he just, but. Um, you never told him? Oh, oh, yeah. No, he knows. Oh, yeah. This is like, this is how I met him. Like, I would yeah, start, yeah. I would write him regularly. He put a single <laughs> out and I'd send him a review of it. Like, the way people do kind of on social media now, but. Yeah. You know, I'd handwrite this thing, and he'd write me back, and he'd send me something else or whatever. And when I went over – so four years later, when I was 19, I went over to do a summer session at Cambridge University, and uh, I wrote him a letter and said, you know, I'm going to be there if you want to, you know, do you want to hang out like some, sure. some idiot? Like, come on. And he writes and says, well, actually, I'm going to be rehearsing with my band. Um, if you've got time and want to come out and stay with us, just give me a call. Okay, so I gave him a call, and they picked me up at the train station, and I watched the Lilac Time rehearse um, for like three days, and then they were on their way to Cambridge to play at the Cambridge Folk Festival. They dropped me at my dorm, and that was that. Um, like, so weird. Then fast forward another three years, three four years, and I was playing at the bottom line in New York City, and Stephen was in New York, and he came by at Soundcheck. Um, so we went out for dinner, and, you know, I'd, at this point, Gordon had been huge in Canada. We had, weren't, hadn't cracked it in the U.S. yet, but we were working hard. And uh, he said, well, do you want to write some songs? Wow. Like, yeah, I mean, uh, like, <laughs> I don't know. How does this happen? Okay, he came up to Toronto at the end of that tour, the end of 93. He came to Toronto for what was supposed to be two weeks and ended up staying for six weeks. And we wrote a good part of what became the second Bernie Ladies record. But we've just been you know, very close friends ever since and been through all the, uh, as the album title calls it, all the ups and downs. And uh, we're working on a new record together now. It's actually Balls oh, wow. of Mine. I have, uh, the, we did the, the the Vanity Project record together that came out in 2005. Um, so 20th anniversary of the Vanity Project, we'll do part two. Yeah. Awesome. Nice. Beautiful. That is awesome. Um, we We went on Facebook and we sourced some questions. Yep. Uh, and a bunch came in, but I, I really want to ask you this one. So this one comes in from Connie Crosby. 
Uh, and I'll just read, I'll just read her note here. One of the most memorable music moments in my life was standing on King Street West with thousands of people at the memorial service for Jack Layton, played on the loudspeakers from inside Roy Thompson Hall. Stephen Page singing Leonard Cohen's Hallelujah was one of the most stunning performances I've ever heard. We were all absolutely still and silent out on the street listening. So our question to you is, two questions, what was that day like for you? And do you still keep in touch with Olivia Chow? Um, the the day was uh, it was a, a whirlwind, and it was really you know really heavy. We were, I was actually on my honeymoon in England. When, oh my! When we heard that, that that Jack had passed, and it was a, you know I was actually at Stephen Duffy's house um, when right. I heard that, and uh, it was shocking. And uh, you know I'd been I'd known him quite well, and helped him uh, get the nomination for the leader of the NDP. I worked really hard. Uh, with him to uh, to make that happen and worked on his election campaign and so on and uh, got to know him really well him and Olivia love them both and uh, they asked I uh, I reached out to uh, to the family and Mike his son had said well we'd like you to come and sing hallelujah at this if you if you can so made sure that we were we were there to do it and uh I guess uh, they had, before he had even passed, made the plans of what he had wanted to, oh, wow. to be. So that was at his request, um, which was, you know, that's a, that's a lot, a lot of like mm. pressure. And I stood there next to the, the casket um, on the stage at um, uh, Roy Thompson and looking out at the audience at not only all the, the living prime ministers who were there and so on and the, uh, leaders of opposition and everything else and all these other dignitaries but the family and singing this song was uh that was a big a big deal and uh i was really honored to be asked to do it so i'm glad that uh that left a lasting impact for people um i have you know i don't live in toronto so i don't see i don't see any of them very often but uh you know, i still am i still am occasionally in contact with all the family including olivia wow yeah. sharing that i do thank you yeah thanks um Let's do this, Stephen. Um, you've you've graciously uh, said that you'd play a song for us. Sure. Um, why do we Why do we intro? What 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 are you What are you going to play today? I am going to move over to the other side of the room where I usually do my live my my um, uh, um, live streams. So it'll yeah. take me one second to get over there. But right I'm going to do a song off my most recent album. I put an album out last year. Last year, I have no sense of time anymore. Thanks, Ben. <laughs> COVID years. Yeah. Uh, last year came out called Excelsior, and this is a song from it called uh, "The Golden Age of Doubling Down." Let me get a little bit of give you a little bit of reverb there. I'll see you over there in a second. All right. Look at this. Wow. I'm a, I'm a professional. Like a pro. <laughs> like a pro. I do these. I do these uh, live streams every yeah. like every Saturday that I'm home basically where I, uh, um, I started doing them during the pandemic. I do them over zoom and, um, I still do them live from homes. I've done a hundred and wow. 114, 115 is coming up on February 10th. So if you want to come check one out, they're lots of fun. People still, people still show up They're uh, I I've done every song I've ever written at least once. Um, 
and tons of covers. Like I've done hundreds of different songs and, uh, or there'll be a theme show, I'll play a whole album or I'll do all requests or whatever else. And, Can you tell us a little bit about this song? Like what's yeah, it about? Or, yeah. This is a song about, um, I think about how, how nice people are to each other on the internet and uh, gives me hope for the 2024 okay. election coming up in the United States. <laughs> I, right. just, I, I sense this um, restoration of peace and brotherhood. Oh yeah. No. No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, here we go. In the golden edge of Dumbarton Town, try and catch me now, as if you'd know how. If the olden days are coming back around, you can count me out. If there's any doubt, so I'll offer you a moment of grace Just in case you misunderstood You wouldn't say that straight to my face Oh, you would, well, of course you would It's the golden age of doubling down Just watch me now as I take a bow If the olden days were half as good as the days we're in now You can count me out if there's any doubt Down, run by circus clowns And if somebody suggests we take the temperature down While without a doubt, they'll be ushered out You just speak the truth that needs to be told You're so bold, you're a ten-year-old When the cruelty is the point I can tell This is hell, this is actual hell I woke up early from a wonderful dream Refreshed and energized by what I had seen When the voice of God spoke, it was totally woke The internet exploded in a puff of white smoke mm. -da 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 -da. Mm. In the golden age of doubling down And you're wondering how we could be here now in the olden days, I got so good at pushing folks around that they're freaking out, acting so about. Though I thought there might be some disconnect, I suspect I was incorrect. And if you can't say anything nice, my advice is to say it twice. Oh, oh, in the golden age of doubling down, though I don't know how we survived till now, since the olden days. Coming back around Let's go underground For an ultrasound You can tell me this is not who we are That's bizarre This is who we are When it feels like nothing's left to defend Or amend This must be the end Yes. There you go. Thank you. Come oh, on. Oh my goodness, Stephen. If you could stay where you are, I have some questions sure. about what's yeah. behind you there. Yeah. Um, is that a plug? We got a doll there behind you in pink and glasses. Who's that? 
Yeah, so that's a, a fan made a, a, a little uh, cartoon me with my pink. Okay. Nice. Uh, that's a, and there's a little dancing steak. Um, <laughs> that, was, uh, another, that was based on another in-joke. There are lots of in-jokes with these, uh, <laughs> these live from homies. We spent a lot of time together over the, over the pandemic. Nice. So those, those were made by fans. What else do I have there? I've got a bunch of like little synths and drum machines. Uh-huh. And I've got yeah. the original Who? back there is the original long box. You know, remember CD long boxes? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. The original long box for Bare Naked Ladies Gordon. Really? With the CD still in it. Do you still have, do you have a copy of the yellow cassette? I do, yeah. Okay, so there. I'm just wondering whether you would have that. <laughs> I should put it up there. Yeah, I do. I, I, I got. I got. I think I have one of everything. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Thank. Thank you for that song, man. That that Thanks, is yeah. that is fantastic. You want to get back to your? I'm back over there. Yeah. Okay. Look at that, Greg. Let's that do. Is... Can you, Greg? Can you make that happen? Can we have like multiple cameras? I'm not that good, man. Oh, all right. I'm not that good. <laughs> there we are. That was fantastic, Stephen. Thank yeah. you so much. Um, you've played all over the world. Uh, on your own with with bare naked ladies with other people, um, we have a segment called Lost Venues. Uh, these are venues that don't exist anymore, but you've got a story. It could be a horror story, it could be a funny story, it could be a sad story. Wondering, Stephen, if you have a story from a lost venue. Huh. I have to think about that because I think there are plenty of uh, plenty of lost venues with stories. Like for instance, I was talking about that the the, the bottom line where Steve, where Stephen Duffy and I met up in New York. That's a great lost venue. Although it was a great venue, a legendary venue, um, you know, and there are lots of famous shows from there. Famous show where the where Rockpile played and and okay. uh, Keith Richards came up and played with them. And there's uh, famous. Uh, Let's see. Oh, some of the some of the Billy Joel uh, uh, um, songs in the attic songs were recorded at Bottom Line. Wow. Uh, uh, Lou Reed, Take No Prisoners Live, recorded there. Um, but it's just like a small venue. Yeah. Um, you know, a couple hundred seats, seated, like little cabaret kind of tables and stuff. But it was one of these places where, like, they paid you terribly. You had to do two full shows in a night. And... Um, and uh, you didn't get any drinks, like not even pop, no drinks and and uh, no towels. They had water, and you had to bring your own. So we had to bring our own towels and uh, and then pay for pay for pop, even if we wanted. It was like it was just so cheap. And then and yeah, it was like you had to do a show at seven and another show at eleven or something like that. Um, but it was uh, it was always like, why is this place legendary? But the guy who ran it, Alan Pepper, was actually really nice to us, and he actually did take us out of the clubs in New York and and uh, did our first uh, presented our first um, uh, theater show at the Town Hall in New York City. Uh-uh. So I can't say oh, all geez. bad things about it, but it's one of those ones where it's like, God, just treat them, just treat yours a little bit nicer, a little bit more like human beings, and everything will just go great. But that was, you know, that's the way that lots of those venues are. The crap. bottom line bottom line but it was a it was a classic and it's gone r.i.p so many so many good venues that are gone though yeah uh, you know toronto was full of dead venues toronto was like there's so many places that i um, mean you know, for us you know the formative one was what i talked about before was the ultrasound upstairs from x-rays yeah um, that was hugely important to us and uh 
you know, and gone. And yeah, uh, here's another one. I remember a, a really bad gig um, at uh, Ontario Place. Not Ontario Place Forum, though, because Ontario Place Forum was awesome and I loved it. But um, uh, but in the spirit of Ontario Place being entirely gone now, and it's as sad as that is, I remember playing at some, there was a bar at Ontario Place, and the guy told us that um, we would never make it because we didn't sell enough beer. What? And, yeah. And I took that as a person. I was like, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to make sure I never sell beer. <laughs> and, I think, and then I think we licensed a song to a Coors. We will never, <laughs> never sell beer ever. <laughs> it was one of those ones. Like after that, I was like, they had Molson Canadian Rocks. You always going? And I'd be like, no, I'm not doing a Molson Canadian Rocks show. Some, <laughs> some guy who ran, who was a manager of a bar at Ontario Place, <laughs> said we don't, we'll never make it because we don't sell beer. Sometimes you just don't need to take stuff so so personally. Yeah, well, you can be like that. That's good. Uh, one of the questions I'd love to ask before we finish up is, um, what are you listening to lately? What's in your ear pods, your buds, whatever you have and listen to headphones that people should be checking out? New old, doesn't matter. Just what you listen to lately. I'm really bad with new stuff. Uh, and I think a lot of people are as they get older. And, and I'm always, I always admire my age or older who are like still like just actively seeking out new artists um i should you know i i do uh I, sometimes i do but right now i will tell you that um my comfort music has been the entire catalog of the four seasons i guess i for some really? reason it's not a band i grew up with like i mean i grew up with the, in in the sense like that music was around yeah um, but it was never like, oh, that's my band. Those are my guys. It's not like, you know, I, I would have felt that way about the Beatles. You know, if, if you said the Bee Gees, I would, yes, sure. You said the Zombies, I would say, yes, sure. But something in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, I've just decided, like, I love the Four Seasons. I mean, yeah, I saw Jersey Boys. I saw it a couple times. I liked it a lot. The Harmonies? What is it? It's the personality. I mean, and I've always loved that. It's always made me laugh. There's, a, there's an element of, for me, of like, it, it, makes me laugh like the 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 kind of the stereotypical uh soprano style mobsters like they're you know you can, you <laughs> the sopranos guys you could you could assign to one of the the four seasons but the songs are fantastic the arrangements are to me are so exciting you know everything from the drumming to the sound of the orchestra to whatever else like it's just i th just think they are you know, there's lots of duds, but I love duds too. And I think one of the things uh -huh. is during the pandemic, I spent a lot of time listening to, to Northern Soul stuff. So Northern Soul being kind of like, you know, mostly stuff that didn't make it in North America. Mm -hmm. uh, R&B records, kind of uh, either lesser known Motown stuff or other labels records, that, but had this kind of second life in the 70s and in the UK. And that stuff kind of became the soundtrack of like what I was listening to all the time in the pandemic. And I think that just meant that, it's, that some of like, for instance, my Spotify started just feeding me more stuff from the 60s and early 70s. And uh, and that's you know some of that stuff would come in and we go like, I love this, I love this. And uh, it's kind of my comfort food now. That's great. That's that great. is awesome. Well, we appreciate you, you coming on before Cream wraps it up. Um, so we've we've now had Mo on, we've had Craig on, we've had yourself on. We need the is it would you call it a quadfecta? We need we need to get Chris on before, <laughs> yeah, before the shows in the spring. That way we can nail the quadfecta of the that'd be great. Island. Yep. We we I'll, will I'll we will we will reach out. Uh well Greg, when's when when is that show we're going to? 
It's Easter weekend, isn't it? I Easter can't. Saturday, I think. Is that right? What is that? Yeah, That's, I believe so. Yes, you're right. It is Easter. It, yeah, it it's is. Easter Saturday. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll celebrate the uh, we'll celebrate the Christ, the baby Jesus. Yeah, you got it. March thirtieth. It's a yeah. March thirtieth is what that is. March thirtieth. Right? Trans Canada Highwaymen at where's the where where's the gig at? Opera. That's at the Opera House. At the Opera House. But we're all over Canada. Uh, That's true. But uh, in in March, a bunch of shows in Western Canada, and then uh, in uh, April, I think we're doing stuff in Ontario and. Then uh, back in the summer, hopefully, and then more stuff in the fall. So just keep your eyes nice. open. TransCanadaHighwaymen.ca. You got it. Uh, for the 17-minute uh, TV show slash commercial. <laughs> yep. uh, that is a time well spent on the internet. Uh, and uh, StephenPage.com for more Stephen Page uh, goodness. And can people go there for your your uh, at home shows as well yeah so if you just scroll down it's about i think about uh, a third of the way down the down the page you can uh, buy tickets for the live from home yep that is awesome steven thank you so much thank you thank you for thank your you. time this has been uh, a joy for us and uh uh looking forward to seeing you play uh this spring well thanks guys i really enjoyed talking to you take care thanks for having me on bye-bye that was our guest steven page that was fun that was fun. That was a that lot was a of great fun. Chat. Hope he had as good of a time as I did. Yeah. No, that was that was great. And he still like he still has his chop, like it those that voice. Oh. It's still there. Yeah. 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 Brilliant. <laughs> that is fantastic. Um so again, that show is March 30th at the Opera House, TransCanadaHighwomen.ca. Go the there if, if you're not in Toronto. Go there, figure out There's where you can go. tons of shows around Ontario to check you out. You got to go. You got to go. I'm telling you, when when you told me you saw that show, I think you messaged me. I was, I think, on a safari, coming back from a safari in Africa. Um, I had data I had purchased. So I just started listening to uh, to their album. Uh, and just, oh, fantastic songs. Yep. And fantastic musicians. Yep.